Government. We all know it's important to understand, be it state, local, or national, but doesn't the thought of it just make you want to, well, drink? If so, you're in the right place. I'm Angel Romero, your politics and pints aficionado, and this is Ballots and Brews, where we'll talk all things local beer while also diving into what in the world is happening at the local, state, and national government and what you can do about it. It's Schoolhouse Rocks meets the Daily Show meets C-SPAN, so let's get this show started. Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Ballots and Brews. We are so excited for another fun-packed show tonight. Uh, we'll be chatting with former Shawnee Heights School Board candidate Sarah Sanders about her recent write-in campaign for school board and what that was like. Uh, plus, our beer flight of the night is back. Uh, but before we get to any of that, we are starting, like we always do, with beer. Uh, and in this case, beer and wine. Uh, our very special guest tonight is Lori Henderson with Crooked Post Winery and Vineyard. Lori, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Well, thanks very much for having me. This was exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now, for folks who might not be familiar, can you give them a little bit of background as to the winery and kind of let people know where you're located, that sort of thing? Well, we're located on Highway 92, just west of Ozaki, which is um, at the head the, the, the head of Lake Perry, okay. where Lake Perry starts. Yeah. Um, it's if you're coming from Topeka, you're going to go up to Meriden and and then continue going north a little bit and then take uh, the 92 highway over. So, yeah, we're right on the highway. Um, no gravel. So that we get a lot of motorcycles that way. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, how long have you guys been around? Okay, how'd you get started? Well, we um, we just started as growers. We were just going <laughs> to grow for other wineries. And um, that kind of didn't work out after we started working with um, the really large winery back then was sure. Smoky Hill. And ah. they went out of business just right. They quit right after we started growing. So um, <laughs> it, we ended up that we decided just to do our own thing. So we built our building um, in 2013, and then we opened in May of 2014. Awesome. And, and, you know, I think it's cool. I, sometimes I think people kind of don't think about wine in Kansas, but there is actually, a, it seems like a, a growing kind of wine industry in the state. I, I believe so. Um, there's I, I don't keep up with them too much anymore. But sure. um, at the, when we started, I think there was maybe 25. Uh, there may be close to 60. You know, there are some really small ones, yeah. uh, some that are pretty obscure and then some that are larger. And then everybody kind of offers their own unique thing um, that you could expect when you go to their place. Yeah. Well, and speaking of, so when folks go out to visit Cricket Post, uh, what can they what can they expect when they visit? Well, we're kind of different. We um, we are like a destination winery. So okay. we have people that will stay all day. And we learned a long time ago <laughs> that if, you know, if we want to be a truly a destination place, you've pretty much got to have everything. So sure. we have beer. We have uh, liquor if you wanted a, okay. a drink. Um, and we have a little bit of food. You know, we make awesome. some appetizer things. We make... Cheese and cracker, fruit trays, and and a, a 
and they can still bring their own food, but a lot of people have gotten to where they they like to come out and kind of be served. And we kind of turn into almost a restaurant at times. And then in the um, the peak season, um, somewhere around early May till we just ended in October, we put in a brick-fired pizza oven back in 2016. So, oh, wow. Yeah, we get people from everywhere that come for that. Um, it's all made fresh. And I grow a lot of the vegetables. We make the dough from scratch. There's three of us that know how to make pizzas. I have about five girls that have to work during that time. So it's it's quite the thing. They they come from everywhere. You have to make reservations. It's kind of like fine dining. Sure. You know, once the entree is gone, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that is not a bad way to spend a day at all. No, uh uh-uh. <laughs> and we have um, certain times of year, we have bands. Um, you know, the last couple of years has been kind of odd. It's been odd for everybody. <laughs> sure. um, so we've kind of had to adapt. We had a little music outside this year, and then recently we just had a couple bands inside. And we, we can see people are kind of getting back to normal. Um, so we, we're doing some inside things now. Well, that's awesome. Well, and, and so when people come to visit, are there, you know, are there any favorites, things that people that you think people just have to try when they come? The one we're known for, the wine that we're known for is called Perry Sunset. Oh, um, yeah. It's a blend that Kevin created years and years ago. And it's got the picture of a picture of the lake that uh, a gal took for us. And and um, so people, they generally they've heard about that one. Yeah, and that's kind of our popular one. So, yeah, they usually it, it's rather sweet. So even the people that like dry sometimes will try <laughs> it just just so they can say they did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Everyone's got, everyone's got broadened their horizons a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Everything that we make is what we grow. So That's we, awesome. You know, the the majority of our time is spent in the vineyard. And people don't realize how much work is involved. They just see somebody standing behind the counter and <laughs> they don't stop to think, well, how did that wine get there? And with us, it's all about what we grow. And it's Kansas wine and Kansas grapes that can grow in Kansas. That's that's what we're all about. Absolutely. And, you know, as I understand, there's actually a chance for people to to kind of see that process and be a part of the harvesting of those grapes to kind of see uh, how that's happened. Can you talk about that? Yep, there sure is. Oh, somewhere about June, people start signing up. Um, we've the last two years, I've had close to 300 each year oh, wow. um, that have signed up. We harvest about five to six weekends a year. It just kind of depends on how the grapes come in. Sure. The weather is totally in control. Of, <laughs> uh, like this year, it, didn't, it they ripened really odd this year, just because it was so dry and 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 didn't really get really hot. But the dryness had something to do with it so when people sign up they um we don't we don't pick more than two hours we've gotten to where we know how many people we need for each block of grapes that come in you know that are ready to pick um they get a breakfast they get a lunch they get a t-shirt they get sangria um they all go downstairs where the where we process the basement underneath the winery tasting room and they actually uh, pick up crates of grapes and dump them into the crusher and then and then my my husband Kevin and a couple other guys that are always down there we'll kind of give them a little tour and and explain things 
um, our friend Rod is really good. He's a chemist and he's really good at explaining um, exactly what's happening. Uh, we you get to taste the juice out of the out of the press when it's coming out. So that that's a real people love that. That's and way then cool. They'll stay for a while and then they'll go, they'll go on about their business. So, but yep, that's what it's all. And anybody can. We don't. There's no charge for that or anything. You know, they're they're helping us. We sure. can't pick those grapes out our people. Yeah, that's oh, that's way cool. I'm gonna have to sign myself up for that now. That's it's pretty awesome. Yes, you are. You better do that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, y'all, yo, you talked about you know, events and things like that you have going on. Are there any events coming up that people should know about? Um, we are doing a because we have a full liquor drinking establishment license. We are able to do various tastings, like we do whiskeys and bourbons, and oh, yeah. um, we're getting ready to do a port. Uh, we're doing a port and food tasting on the twentieth of November. Our, and I do have available spots for that. And then our Christmas party um, is pretty much full, and that's the December third one. We weren't a, we were not able to do that last year. Um, and then uh, then we'll take a break. We're going to take a break for about okay. a month. Um, Mid-December to mid-January, we'll take a little break. Um, and then I'll start up with some other. Um, we're going to have a food pairing class in February um, with alcohols. Um, I'm going to do a barn quilt painting class in January and and then start music back up. Well, awesome. Yeah, lots of good. You know, all this good stuff going on. You know, how, how can people uh, stay up to date with the latest that's happening with the winery? Well, that I'm the one that does all that, and I am pretty good about keeping things current so I change the website um, quite often I had our friend Curry's built the website for me with 785 magazine she does a wonderful job and then she made it to yeah. where I can I monitor it and I make the changes um, and then I do Facebook and Instagram so I I post current things I try as hard as I can to keep it current but yep that's how you can find out about things yeah, absolutely. Yep. So make sure to look up Cricket Post on uh, both Facebook and Instagram um, and also check out their website and stay up to date with all the latest, greatest things going on. Lori, thanks so much for hanging out with us tonight. Angel, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. And I appreciate Carice. Um, She's a very good supporter of mine. And, and I'm glad she said something to you. So I'm glad you had me. Thank you. Absolutely. Yep. Carice is, Carice is pretty awesome. Uh, folks listening out there, uh, go ahead and stay tuned. We're going to take a quick Quick break, and then afterwards, we'll be back with our beer flight of the night. You're listening to Ballots and Brews here on KSF 785 Live Radio. KSEF Digital Radio, Topeka, Kansas. That's the thing you're listening to right now. And we're celebrating everything local and everything Topeka. Learn more at 785live.com. And thanks for tuning in. Well, all right, everyone. After taking just a little break to allow us to pack in as much election coverage as possible, tonight we are proud to bring back one of our favorite segments that is our political beer flight of the night, where we recap some of the top stories to know about in state and local government. So here we go. Uh, first off, we are starting with our Moving On Up Pale Ale. Uh, there are some upgrades heading to everyone's favorite vacant hotel property. That's right, the former Holodome location, or the artist formerly known as Ramada West, over at 
6th and Fairlawn is going to be getting some new life. Uh, the city council at their meeting on Tuesday um, started consideration of uh, purchasing $10 million worth of industrial revenue bonds, uh, known as IRBs in the business, uh, to acquire and renovate the facility. Um, in case industrial revenue bonds weren't on your bingo card for today, uh, these are essentially bonds that the city can issue when they meet the purpose of funding projects that promote, stimulate, and develop the general economic welfare of the city and its residents. So the whole idea of this project is to use it as what's being called a workforce rental housing facility uh, with 140 units of multifamily housing. Um, by the way, workforce rental housing essentially means housing that people can actually afford. Uh, remember, we just got done with that big old housing study and this whole last election, uh, we've been talking about housing issues in the community and everyone, there's this consensus around, we gotta figure out a way to house people and not at a cost that's gonna require somebody to like sell their kidney or something. So this is part uh, of that effort to be able to do that. Uh, the rent, part of the, the deal is that rent for these units uh, would be limited to $550 for studio, studio units and $775 for one bedroom units um, in this former Ramada West location. Uh, just on a side note, there's been there's been discussion over the years ever since this building closed on what to do uh, with this facility that's been sitting here, and there's been various different options. Yeah, at one point I was part of a like a focus group or something that looked at a proposal that would turn it into kind of uh, not quite upscale, but kind of young professional housing, and so there would be like a little community area, kind of more upscale housing that might appeal to like a young professional type crowd, uh, and that kind of had some mixed reviews at the time about you know would young professionals actually live there? What would the pricing need to be? Would they want to live in that location? That sort of discussion. And so there's been continued discussion over the years about exactly what kind of housing uh, would work um, in that facility. Um, and so, of course, there's been lots of, of opinions and thoughts on, on what should go in there. And so really the next step for this is um, at next week's city council meeting on November 16th, there's going to be a public hearing. Uh, so what that means, if you anytime you hear public hearing um, out there, uh, that means that's your opportunity to come and make your voice heard at a city council meeting. And so you can sign your happy little self up um, and go and provide comment, or you can email uh, your city council members uh, with your thoughts on the proposal. And you can actually read the whole, kind of see the whole details of the proposal on the Topeka City Council's uh, website. When you click on the agenda for uh, the November 16th meeting, um, they'll have that proposal that you can look at in its entirety. Um, and there's also, I believe, some press coverage um, out there as well. Um, but if you have thoughts on turning that facility into um, to, to rental home facilities, you could certainly share that um, with the city council on November 16th. Uh, next up, staying with our friends at the city, we've got the Brent Trout Stout. Uh, I just really like the way that rhymed, I'm just going to be honest. Um, uh, anyway, if you haven't heard, uh, city manager Brent Trout uh, has announced that he is leaving his position as city manager at the end of the year. Um, in his resignation letter, Trout noted that he and his wife um, had gone on vacation recently, and during that time, they both realized that they wanted to spend more time um, closer to their family and, and be closer. Uh, to them, which I have to say is a really, really productive use of your vacation time. I don't know if the rest of you get really like reflective and contemplative during vacation time. Usually most of my time on vacation is spent reflecting on margaritas or something not as productive. So props to you all who get really uh, reflective and contemplative during your, your vacation time. Uh, 
Just to note that city manager Brent Trout has been here since 2017. Um, and that is actually the shortest stint he has had um, as city manager here at Topeka, save for one little pit stop he made um, in Iowa at one point. Um, and just as a note, it actually isn't that uncommon for city managers to move around quite a bit in their career for a, a whole host of reasons. Uh, sometimes they're looking to move on to bigger, better things, and they maybe are using a city as a stepping stone. Um, or quite honestly, uh, what happens sometimes is a city council member gets mad at their city manager, and so the city and the city manager decide to part ways. Um, that That is not uncommon in that world. Um, it should be noted that that is actually part of why most city managers get paid a pretty good salary, uh, in addition to having to do a whole lot of work. Um, and they usually have a pretty good severance clause um, in their contract because it's kind of a way to dissuade city councils um, from arbitrarily firing city managers uh, anytime they disagree with them. So you know, a lot of times when a city manager leaves, you'll hear about a pretty good payout that's coming their, their way, um, and that's why they're paying out pursuant to, to that clause. Uh, now, Brent Trout is the third city manager uh, to be guys had since making the change to the city manager form of government in the early 2000s. Um, the search for his replacement uh, will likely be a national search, and, and of course, in the meantime, uh, Trout and the city council have worked out a transition plan um, that includes him kind of sticking around on a consulting sort of basis, um, even after he he's left the uh, community until a new city manager is hired. Um, and of course, this will be this will be a lot of transition for us. We'll have, of course, a new mayor in January with Mike Padilla, and then hiring a new uh, city manager. So lots of opportunities there, um, and it'll be interesting to, to see where things go. Uh, next up, switching to state government, um, and this is what we're calling the Hatchet IPA. Uh, this story gave me my all-time favorite photo op of Governor Kelly in the Capitol Journal this week. Uh, this week, the governor announced her plan to, quote, axe the tax, um, i.e. Uh, getting rid of the sales tax on food in the state of Kansas. Uh, the announcement of the plan came complete with a photo op of the governor in a grocery store holding a branded axe gleefully in her hand. Uh, so look out, Carrie Nation. Laura Kelly is apparently here to slice produce and taxes, and she is all out of produce. Uh, for those who didn't know, Kansas is actually one of seven states that has a full-on tax on our groceries, um, and our rate, uh, which is 6.5%, is actually the second highest in the country uh, for food sales tax. There are 37 states out there that levy no sales tax on groceries at all. Uh, the governor's plan is estimated to save a family of four about $500 on groceries. Uh, as one might imagine, this plan has hella bipartisan uh, support because who doesn't love food and hate taxes? Um, but in addition to this bipartisan love fest, we of course have to remember that this is election season. Uh, getting rid of the sales tax on food was one of Governor Kelly's campaign promises, and of course, what better time to come through on a promise than as you kick off a re-election campaign? Uh, now, to be fair, it's a pretty dang good promise to keep. Um, and she did beat her opponent, Derek Schmidt, to the punch, who also issued his own statement this week um, in support of eliminating the tax on food. Uh, now, of course, he had a couple other things to say as well. Um, Schmidt did note the governor's veto our vote in 2010 when she was a state senator uh, to increase the sales tax uh, by one full cent. Uh, the governor also did, as Schmidt points out, veto a plan in 2019 uh, that would have reduced the sales tax 
on food by assent. Um, but that bill was also tied to some other tax reforms uh, that the governor um, did not approve of, so she actually ended up vetoing uh, that bill. Um, so we've got an idea that everyone really likes, but a big fight over who gets the credit for it, which will make for a fascinating uh, 2022 legislative session and is honestly, you guys, why we can't have nice things in this state. Uh, our final beer flight of the night is the special session sour. Um, and nothing gets us more sour than thinking about the legislature coming back into town early at that. Uh, but just when you thought we got rid of them, it turns out we might have to deal with them for at least one more day. Uh, that's right, hold the turkey because plans are underway to call a special session of the Kansas legislature to meet on November 22nd, i.e. the Monday before Thanksgiving. Uh, the purpose of the session, of course, is to talk all things vaccine mandates. Uh, Senate President Ty Masterson has put out some proposals that would, uh, for instance, prevent employees from being asked about their religious beliefs regarding masks and ensure that they receive unemployment benefits if they're fired for refusing to you get a COVID-19 vaccine, those kinds of, of proposals have been floated out there. Uh, last week, the Special Committee on Government Overreach and the Impact of COVID-19 Mandates, yes, that is the full name of the committee, regardless of what you think of the committee, like y'all gotta find a shorter name or an acronym or something, but anyway, this committee uh, did hold a hearing to gather people's thoughts on vaccine mandates, and as one might imagine, there were a lot of thoughts uh, that were shared during that hearing. Uh, now, in order to call a special session, you need two-thirds of the Senate and two-thirds of the House to agree, which they probably can do. Uh, the governor could also call for a special session, but let's be real, that's not going to happen. Uh, so we will see. Um, if you didn't already have enough reason to drink uh, before getting together with your relatives for the holidays, you can now add the return of the Kansas legislature to your list of reasons. So there's a positive there. Uh, that, folks, is it for our beer flight, but stay tuned. After the break, we've got our conversation with former Shawnee Heights school board candidate Sarah Sanders, which you do not want to miss out. It's a really fun conversation, so stay tuned. You're listening to Bouts and Brews here on KSF 785 Live Radio. All right, folks, we are back, and our next guest tonight was a candidate in this most recent election for school board, but she wasn't just any candidate. She was a write-in candidate, uh, if you can believe it or not, a write-in candidate uh, for school board. That's right, folks, tonight we are talking with Sarah Sanders, who recently ran uh, for the Shawnee Heights School Board via a write-in campaign and came pretty dang close to actually winning the thing. Uh, so we have lots that we want to talk with her about tonight. So, Sarah, thanks for hanging out with us. Of course, glad to do it. Absolutely. Now, of course, before we get into to all the questions, of the most important question, because this is Ballads and Bruises, what are you drinking tonight? Well, so one of our COVID purchases was a kegerator. So yes. we actually just put a Tiger Bite IPA um, in our kegerator from the Blind Tiger here in Topeka. Nice. Babe, you, that's like the best COVID purchase. I did not plan my purchases apparently appropriately for COVID. That's awesome. Yeah, it's we we've had fun with it. Our plan is to hopefully eventually have some root beer on tap too for the younger folks in our house, but we haven't made it quite that far yet. Nice, that's pretty awesome. I thought I was doing pretty well. I'm drinking some some hoppy basset right now from a uh, a growler that I actually don't think I realized I had in my refrigerator. It was like in the back of the fridge. So I don't know how long I've had this beer, but it tastes good, so I think we're good. <laughs> 
Everything's fine. Yes. Oh, man. Well, you know, so as we just talked about, so you were a write-in candidate in this last election, which is just wild. So, you know, when we think back, so it's general election time, um, and there are two candidates running um, in the uh, in the air, in your school ward, in your district. Uh, what made you decide in the midst of that that, hey, I want to I jump into this race? What makes one decide to do that? So it was really a combination of factors. Um, Someone had kind of approached me prior to the filing deadline and really encouraged me. Um, We were going through the processing and sale of my grandmother's estate. And then my parents Mm. also decided they should move in the middle of all of that. (laughs) So summer of this last year was not the funnest time in my life. We were going through like over a hundred years worth of family memorabilia and I just couldn't register. But after the deadline passed, more people kept coming to me saying, Sarah, you know, you're the kind of voice we need on our board. We would really like to have um, just sort of the moderate reasonable. We feel like you're a really good representative of our area. So um, I foolishly said out loud to somebody, maybe I should try a write-in campaign and then was promptly visited by um, various women from our community, many of which I had known since I was a little girl that were like, we'll support you. We've got a group ready. Let's do this. And so it's like, all right, what have we got to lose? (laughs) That's amazing. It's it's so funny. The number of local candidates we've had on that are like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I said, maybe I should run or something like that. So this is an example, like be careful what you say sometimes because people might take you up on that. Seriously. So. <laughs> it was a relatively easy choice though. I have to say I grew up in this district. I love the Shawnee Heights district and community. So um, it was, it wasn't that much of an arm twisting, I should say. <laughs> sure, sure. Now, for those who are, who are unaware, can you talk about exactly how a writing camp campaign works? Because they're, they can be a little tricky. There, there are some rules to, to how this all works. Yes, there are. Most <laughs> of which I did not know until, like, September when I finally decided I was going to do this. So um, there's some really important things. Number one, people have to know how to spell your name. They have to spell it correctly. <laughs> It doesn't count if they don't. Um, and then they also have to put your name on the proper portion of the ballot. So mm. I spent a lot of time trying to not only get my message out to people, um, the the issues I supported, my stance on the issues, but also just trying to remind people how to spell my name (laughs) and where they needed to mark that on their ballot um, to make sure that their vote actually counted for me. Oh my goodness, that's, well, yeah, and how much time do you have to spend? So, you know, it's, it's Sarah with an H, remember, there's an H on the end. Yes, it's <laughs> a lifelong thing for me to spell my name to people, so um, I was thankful to have a simple last name in this yeah, Right, <laughs> I was going to say, better you than me, like, there, okay, you would think Angel Romero is pretty easy, but the number of times that I've been Angle Romeo, Angle Ramirez, like, it, I, I'd be done for, like, there'd be no way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. And so, you know, as you talk to people and you say you're you're a write-in candidate, you know, what was there? What was your reaction? Um, you know, a lot of people asked why. Why didn't you register to run? And so I'm just kind of explaining some of the facts and circumstances of what my life was like over the course of the summer. Sure. Um, but then also, um, 
I think just spending time with people and um, helping them understand how I had a picture on my phone that I showed a lot of people. I had printed out copies of like my ballot to show where they could mark it. So um, it really was a lot of canvassing. I felt like I had to be a lot more intentional with the way that I was campaigning than somebody that was already on the ballot because I couldn't rely on the 50-50 shot that they're going to pick me because my name's nice. <laughs> right, right. And, what, and you know, what for, you know, to give people an insight, what is campaigning just in general for a school board like? You know, what, what kind of questions do people ask or what, what are the kind of issues that, that were important to people? Um, I will say we had a number of candidates in our district that were highly focused on COVID-related issues. Um, while I feel like that's an important issue of our time, I was really a lot more concerned with what is the next three to five to 10 years for our district to look like. And so trying to really look at those types of things. Sure. Um, anybody that's watched any of the school board elections recently has probably seen a lot of the kind of catchphrase type things like CRT um, and transgender bathrooms and things of like, of that nature um that really aren't i would say are not pressing issues you know that they that's not a part of our curriculum crt is not a part of the the curriculum in kansas and um, that's not a decision for a local school board to make unless the state were to start including something of that nature so really trying to help educate people um of what the role of a local school board is you know, we're not going to pass a vaccine mandate in USD 450 that hasn't been already passed at the federal or the state level. Um, and so really trying to help folks understand what is the role of a local school board in the first place, because I think that there yeah. was honestly some misconception just about what power does the local school board even have. Um, and then trying to help kind of calm the fears about some of these things that people were hearing on the news or they were seeing on social media that really weren't pertinent to our local school district. Sure. Um, not that they couldn't become at some point, um, but trying to really help folks understand, I don't want to spend a lot of time and energy coming up with how I'm going to handle a situation that doesn't exist right now, because really there's a lot of important information I'd need to know to be able to come up with a good answer. So um, answering a lot of questions, answering the same question a lot of times, um, but really just trying to be available to people um, trying not to miss any questions that folks had for me and sure. just um, trying to make sure that I got my information out as often as I could to be as transparent as I could. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you make a great point about, you know, people just not, I think always knowing exactly what a school board does and how much work it is too. Uh, yeah, I, I think it, I always said, especially nowadays, it is like probably one of the hardest working, uh, levels of government. And, and it's, it's, it's just interesting, you know, there, there are, I think some people out there that ran on kind of single issue platforms. And it's kind of funny because then, you know, if, if you get elected that way, you know, all of a sudden you've got to deal with things like, uh, like, uh, uh, you know, general obligation bonds and setting a budget and looking at these kind of really in-depth issues that are not those single issue things that get people get all hot bothered about. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was a concern of a lot of our district patrons as well. Sure. Uh, so, you know, over the, these last uh, couple of months, I imagine that it was, it was quite the learning experience. You know, what do you think you learned from the experience all, all together? 
I learned that people are incredibly generous. Mm. Um, and I say that from a spot of the number of women and men district patrons that I had never heard of in my life, <laughs> had probably never heard of me before, that reached out after they learned just a little bit about me and said, how can I help? Can I canvas? Can I put signs up? Can I help you? You know, I'm a person that specializes in social media in my professional life. Can I help you with your social media presence? Oh, wow. I'm a person that understands how this works in my professional life. Can I give you some advice? Um, There were a group of people that kind of came out of the woodwork and were so encouraging and I was incredibly humbled. So I would say like, first and foremost, my biggest takeaway from this experience was how incredibly generous patrons of the USD 450 district and in general, just some folks in the city of Topeka can be. Um, and not that that surprised me. I'm, you know, Sure. This is the place that I've grown up and I love. Um, but to be the recipient of that type of generosity was very humbling. Oh, absolutely. Well, and, you know, we should put, I, I mentioned uh, at the beginning, of course, that unfortunately that your campaign wasn't successful, but you got pretty close, you know, with the final margin or at least the margin as of now, we, we know the board of canvassers will meet uh, next Monday to actually make things uh, official and legit. But do you happen to remember what that, uh, what the final margin came out to? I think that I was within 60 votes of the top um, vote earner, and I did receive more votes than one of the individuals that was actually listed on the ballot. Wow. That's why, folks, just, just for some perspective, that for a writing campaign, that, that is pretty unique uh, to, to get that to get that close, especially in the state of Kansas, uh, just with our writing procedures and, and that sort of thing. To get that close, um, in a, in a, especially a school board election, is, is pretty dang cool uh so that that's awesome you know and, and of course unfortunately uh, even though you did uh end up uh, winning in that race uh you know do you have plans to really stay stay engaged with the process moving forward what does that look like for you um yes i do have plans to stay engaged i've always tried to be involved in my kids um schools in their education so sure. um i am kind of adding to that I should I guess I could say um I'm working more directly with our elementary school with the parent organization I've never had a high schooler in this district so getting involved with the high school and um, parent teacher organization I will continue of course to attend board meetings and be engaged in those processes and then I'll probably um reach out to see if there are some more district level, like the district advisory council or the superintendent's council that I could get involved with just to stay um, more closely aware of some of the issues that our district is working through. That's awesome. That's, yeah, we had, uh, forget who was the other guest on not too long ago who talked about, you know, even, even for folks who don't win an election, you know, elected office is one, it's just one way uh, to make an, an impact on things and, and stay informed. And so there's lots of other, other things that people can participate in also. So that's really cool to know that you'll, you'll still stay plugged in with the process. Yeah, absolutely. Well, awesome. Well, yeah, for folks who might be thinking about running for a uh, school board in the future, any, any advice you would have for them? 
So the first thing I would say is get your name on the ballot. That's a lot easier path. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yes. So um, I think that that's like half the battle. Um, I would also say, you know, put your message out there and be prepared that there are going to be naysayers. But you will find that tenfold there are going to be people ready to step alongside you, support you, encourage you, just cheer for you. And some of those cheerleaders may come from unexpected places. So, you know, be prepared to be surprised by the type of support you're going to get. But um, I just think getting your name out there, being involved, you know, be involved early and often leading up to when, you know, the next uh, school board elections two years away. So now's yeah. the perfect time to start getting involved if you aren't already ready um, so that you're ready to really be able to address and talk about issues um, and have a good stance on on what you think your district could do to better serve your students, your staff, and um, make good use of the the resources that your district has. Awesome. That's yeah, I couldn't have said any better, especially on that that note about, you know, the next school board elections are, are a couple of years away, but now is really that time to, to get start getting engaged and, and learning the issues and, and that sort of thing. So I think that's that's great advice. Well, Sarah, thanks so much for hanging out with us tonight. Yeah, I am so excited you asked me to do this. Um, Absolutely. Huge fan. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, thank you. I have a fan. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I I am virtually cheersing you uh, right now as I lift up my glass to the microphone. I'll do a virtual cheers that way. <laughs> well, thank you. I cheers you back. <laughs> oh, there we go. Well, folks, go ahead. Uh, those of you that are out there listening, go ahead and stay tuned. After the break, we are going to wrap things up like we always do with our take action moment of the day. You are listening to Bouts and Brews here on KSF 785 Live Radio. Well, all right, it is time to wrap things up. So just some quick tick at quick take action notes. It's been a long week, you all. Some quick uh, take action notes. Um, first, as we mentioned in last week's episode, um, be sure to check out our social media um, every Monday um, as we will be outlining the schedule of public meetings at the city and county level each week. And who doesn't want to wake up and know what every public meeting is that's scheduled for the city and county? I know I do. I can hear you calling me a nerd from home, but it's okay. So I can't see you, so it's fine. Anyway, um, all that to say this week there were a lot of meetings it was a busy week in the world of uh, public meetings for both the city and county level um, this week the as we talked about last week the, because we live in the age of COVID now all of these meetings have really easy virtual ways to watch them uh, from the comfort of your own home and maybe even with the beverage of your choice um, so I encourage you to check out that schedule remember that the city of Topeka's Facebook page uh, live streams not only city council meetings but all city council committee meetings um, as well are live streamed on the city's Facebook page. The county has their own YouTube page uh, where they record and stream meetings of the county commission, but also the county planning commission, other special committees um, of the county commission as well. Uh, speaking of those meetings, you heard us mention a little earlier, the city council will be hosting a public hearing concerning the proposed redevelopment of the former holodome uh, during their November 16th council meeting. This is a great opportunity to make your voice heard if that's an issue that is important to you. Uh, as with any city council, meeting, you always have a couple options uh, to provide feedback. Uh, via email, you can email your particular city council member. Um, you can find their emails at topeka.org slash city council. Um, or if you want to email the entire 
entire city council at once, you could do so by emailing council at topeka.org. Um, if you actually want to go speak in person, um, you just need to contact the city clerk's office prior to the meeting and let them know the agenda item you would like to speak on. Uh, to do that, you could just email cclerk at topeka.org or call 785-368. 3940 um, to sign up that way. Um, another fun way to become involved with the city is by joining a board or commission of the city. Um, we've talked a lot about things like the, the Human Relations Commission or the Planning Commission. Um, these boards, commissions are all open to members of the public to be a part. Um, and most of them don't require any kind of special uh, qualification or credentials or anything like that. And I'm here to tell y'all, many of these boards or commissions have a fair amount of open seats and they would love some to be a part of them. Um, you do have to be appointed by a city council member, um, but all that takes is just reaching out to your city council member and saying, hey, I think it would be really cool to sit on this board or commission. And your city council member will be like, oh my God, you really want to do that? Okay, awesome. And you're off uh, to the races from there. Um, so it is a really easy process um, to go through. This is a great way to get involved with a part of city government without actually holding elected office. You know, those folks we elect to city council. That's just one way to be involved uh, with your city government, but boards and commissions are another great way to do that. So be sure to check that out. Um, you can go to topeka.org slash boards commissions to see the full list of boards and commissions that the city has available. And with that, folks, that is our show for tonight. So thank you as always for listening in. Be sure to follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever the heck other kinds of platforms um, are out there that you listen to our podcast podcasts on and we'll catch you next week until then please 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 stay safe wash your hands wear your mask get your vaccine drink some good beer and we'll see you next week here on ballads and brews on kset 785 live radio